Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Now we mentioned um, last week that we, we have a guest with us and it's um, a wonderful privilege and opportunity for him to be here with us and um, he's an individual who as I mentioned has experienced life at the top of the game in a literal sense <laughs> in a literal sense and um, the game in question is um, American football and um, the, uh, our brother who uh, I'll give a, a little more clarity on in a moment um, is with us he, he has played you know, at the highest level in professional football and won the highest honours in the game and so, you know, that's what you talk about being at the top of the game. And um, it's an encouragement to see, even with him coming into town, primarily on business, primarily with the desire and, and uh, um, the, the, sorry, with the, the, the need to come. And he's commentating for Sky Sports. And so he was there last night. And you'll see him again later on if you're watching Sky Sports and watching the Super Bowl. He'll be, he'll be commentating on that. But he made a, a, an intention to gather with the brethren whilst here. I mean, he put, he, he put the request out. I want to I wanna gather. I want to fellowship. I want to get together with the people of God. Um, I have you know, relationship with Calvary Chapel and I want to get together with your people. And that's how we actually heard about um, Jay, who's with us. Jay, it's good to have you with us. Let's welcome Jay Schroeder as he comes to share the word with us this morning. Make sure you ask to see his Super Bowl ring later when it's finished. <laughs> this little thing. Well, good morning. Well, praise God that uh, we can gather here, huh? Isn't it a beautiful day? See, you're all looking at me like, you think this is beautiful? Yeah, it's getting ready to snow, I understand. You know, I've been here for a day and that's all I've heard about. It's going to snow, it's going to snow. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, you just wear a little warmer clothes, you stay inside. I noticed everybody hovered over by the heaters. Right? Everybody's over, over there hovered by the heaters and all that. How many of you like what I did? Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Here's, here's the interesting thing. We volunteered to do that. Anybody want to volunteer to do that? Okay. I had the opportunity for 11 years to play in the game of NFL. Uh, during that time, did I get hurt? Did I get injured? Oh, yeah. Three concussions, nine surgeries. That's all. And uh, a lot of lingering effects from that. In fact, uh, a month ago, December 22nd, I had another surgery uh, on a knee from a ling lingering effect. But uh, it's all good. It's all good. But I have to tell you this, and people ask me this all the time. Would you do it again? Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, how many of you would love to play a game for a living? Huh? I mean, let's be honest. Okay, I get to go play a game and be a kid, and you're actually going to pay me for it? Yeah, it's a pretty good gig. It's a pretty good gig. So uh, I was very fortunate in that aspect. And believe it or not, uh, it's gotten me all over the world. Um, when I was playing the game and uh, playing for the Lord Jesus, I had no idea why. And I'm kind of getting a little picture of why. Because he's allowed me to go all over the world to share his word. And uh, it's my privilege and, and honor to be able to do that. And um, so we're going to do that this morning. And uh, I have to bring you a good morning from Calvary Chapel, St. George, Utah. That's where I attend. 
and uh, I live in that. For those of you who are like, where in the world is Calvary Chapel, St. George, Utah? How many of you know where Las Vegas is? I'm two hours north up the road from Las Vegas. Uh, quite different than here because it's in the desert. We get about seven inches of rain a year. That's it. And it's about 110, 115 in the summertime. I love it. I love it. And you're wondering, what, that's what, I don't think I have a jacket. So you're wondering why I didn't bring a jacket. I don't think I, I own a jacket that keeps me uh, that warm. So we'll go from there. But what I'd like to do this morning is, is share something, obviously, from, from God's Word. And uh, I think it's something essential to each and every one of us that believe in him. So before we do that, let's pray and get into his word. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. We thank you and we praise you that we can gather in your name. Lord, what an opportunity to come and to be a part of people that believe, that believe you are the savior of the world, that you died and rose again, and that you're living among us today. Lord, as we get this opportunity to gather, show us through your word what you have for us and what it is for our lives, what our lives are supposed to look like as a disciple of yours. Lord, we just thank you, and we honor you with everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, what I'd like to do, I know that uh, you've just gone through the Acts and are in First Chronicles. Is that right, Ephraim? You guys have gone through. You're, you're in Acts now and, and all that. So we're going to take a, take a little break from that. We're going to take a little break from that. And I want to talk to you this morning about the love of God. The love of God. And this, I think, is God's greatest commandment to us. Do you realize that in scripture, he mentions the word love 362 times in 323 verses? I think he wants us to get it. If he spends that much time, that much effort putting it in his word, I think it's something we need to understand. And by doing that, we're going to look at a few scripture verses and try to find out exactly what God has in our lives. I'll give you an outline of where we're going to go with this so you can try to follow along. We're going to look at the greatest commandment, God's love. His greatest gift, God's love. The evidence of our Christian life through that love. And how do we fulfill that? How do we go about and share that with others? That's where we're going this morning. So let's start with God's greatest commandment. And it starts in Deuteronomy 6.5. These verses will be, just so you know, if, you, if you'd like to follow along, great. But I think we've got most of these up on the overhead. So uh, if, we, if we get going too fast, don't, don't fret, but we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, obviously, we need to understand God's word and what it is that he has for us. Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I think as we look at this verse, we have to understand a couple of things. We have to understand first and foremost how important love is. This is something that our Lord and Savior wants us to truly understand where it comes from. And I think as you follow the verse, there's very specifics on how he does that. If you look at this verse and you break it down, he starts with, with all your soul. What's he talking about? He's talking about right here in our heart. Right? With all our soul. I'm sorry, he starts with all your heart. No wonder I got funny looks. I jumped ahead. 
You can do that. It's, hey, three concussions, I can do that, okay? <laughs> I, get it. I get that opportunity. Three concussions, you, get, you forget things. He wants us to start with our heart. Why do you think he chooses our heart to start with? Because see, as human beings, we can fulfill our life with all kinds of things. We can get fame. We can accumulate riches. We can do a lot of things. But we can't fill our own heart. The only thing that can fill our heart is the Lord. So I think it's very specific that we look and find out that in his word, he describes to us his love for us starts in our heart. Our very soul, our very core, that's where it comes from. From that, he moves to our soul. To our soul. That means that it has to be in everything we do. See, it's nice to gather here on Sundays and to praise the Lord. But that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants it to be everything we do. His love needs to shine through everything. That's 24-7, 365 days a year. That's what he's calling us to do. And then, oh, by the way, we get to use all our strength now, ladies, you have a big advantage over us men in this category. And you're like, why? How many of you men are fix-it people? Give me a problem, let me go fix it. They're all like shy. Okay, we got a couple in the back. Okay, Us men, we see a problem when we want to do what? We want to go fix it. But see, according to God's word, we can't just go fix love. That's the third in the line. We have to rely on him. Now, ladies, you need to help us because we have a difficult time doing this. Okay? So when he's being a knucklehead, okay, remind him. Okay? You can't do this on your own. You need to let the Lord lead you and guide you. See, and I think as humans, we get these things backwards. Just this one simple verse, and we get it all backwards. And you can see it throughout the world today. We all try to accumulate things on our own strength. I can do it. I can do it. I can get this. If I get this, I'll be really happy. If I do this, I'll be really happy. And guess what? What happens? You're not happy. <laughs> You're not happy. I've had the opportunity to run into some of the wealthiest people in the entire world. I had the opportunity one time to meet a guy by the name of Donald Trump. You all know who Donald Trump is? I'm sorry to say Donald Trump is a miserable human being. He really is. Why? Because he always wants to fill a void with stuff. He flat told me, I just, the more I get, the better I feel, but it's never enough. Well, guess what? It's never going to be enough. See, you and I are not put here on this earth to accumulate stuff. Sorry to say this, but when we die and go to heaven, we got no stuff to take. I don't know about you, but I have never seen a U-Haul on the back of a hearst. <laughs> Has anybody ever seen one of those? Huh? Huh? I've never seen one. But what we can do is we can take our soul. And that's what the Lord wants. That's what he wants. In Mark, he reiterates these very same words. Love the Lord your God with all your well, heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. If it's repeated in God's word, we need to take heed. We need to understand. Again, in Luke 25, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. He repeats this, then he adds, with all your mind. Oh, wait, now we can actually think about it. 
Have you noticed that he's never said that we can use our brain? Because what happens if we try to use our brain and think, think of these things? Huh? I love it because people, in, you know, I hate to pick on the people over in here in England, but they're trying to recreate the Big Bang. And they're like, it's frustrating because it's never going to happen. See, their whole idea is if they get dust, okay, let's back up real quick. They're trying to get enough dust particles to spin fast enough that they'll all come together and form living organisms. And they haven't even come close yet. Well, I wonder why. See, we have to understand something as human beings. As much as we know, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. So as hard as we try with our minds, we can't get there. And we need to love our neighbors. Does that sound like today's world? Unfortunately, it doesn't, does it? But we need to love our neighbors. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it says this, Love consists of this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must love one another. Think about that for a minute. God loved us so much, so much. Yes, he got frustrated at one point, and he what? He flooded the world. Didn't he? And he said, I'm going to start with a righteous man. And guess what? We messed that up too. But we have a God of grace, and he said, I won't do that. But he sent his son to die on a cross to take away our sins. Yours, mine, all of our sins. And people are like, well, that's just hearsay. No. See, because then he raised him out of the grave. He raised him. And he's still living today. See, in this book... This book, how many times does it say that Jesus died? Once. So if he was alive and he died and he rose again, where is he? He's here today. He is here today with us. And he's here for you and he's here for me. That's how much he loved us. In Romans chapter 13, verse 10, law does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. See, we're just, all we are is fulfilling God's law by loving one another. Love one another. That's what he asked us to do. So that is the greatest commandment. God loved us so much, he sent his son, and all he asks us in return is to love him and to love one another. And that leads us right in to the greatest gift of all, John 3. We've already talked about it. He loved us so much that he sent his son. I have three children, 24, 21, and 11. The two oldest are my two boys and then my pride and joy, my little girl. Wouldn't know what to do without her. But I have a new understanding of what the love of Christ is. Because my middle son at the age of six and a half had emergency, emergency surgery for a brain tumor. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's what they did. The tumor was four and a half inches straight down from the middle of his head. So here's what the surgery entailed. 
They cut him open. They took a rectangle out of the top of his head at six and a half and separated the two halves of his brain to get the tumor. And then they were going to put him back together. And the doctor told us we have a 50-50 chance that he'll survive just the surgery. The hardest thing my wife and I ever did was to pray, Lord, if you want to take our little boy, let him go in peace. I can't imagine giving my son up freely. But that's what he asked us to do. And I truly believe because we were faithful, he brought my son through that surgery. And he has major plans for my son. And oh, by the way, just to make sure that we were grounded, he brought the tumor back four years later. We couldn't do the surgery. We had to go a different route, which they call a gamma knife, which is a heavy dose of radiation. And that, that young man is now 21 years old, astonishing doctors all around the world because they have no idea that somebody could survive that type of tumor. And here's the cool thing. He loves the Lord with all his heart. And I kept telling that young man, I want to watch you grow up because I know the Lord has something special in your life and I want to see what he does. People ask me all the time, does God still do miracles? Every day. Every day. Just people don't choose to see what God does. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says this, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and through I have all the faith, so that I come, could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to free the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it proves, profits me nothing. See, it doesn't matter what we do as humans. Without the love of Christ in us, it's not what he calls us to be. The Lord put us on this earth to represent him. To represent our Lord and Savior. To be a disciple. That's why we're here in everything we do. And he finishes it with this in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And you all know these verses. And now abide in faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love. Without the love of Christ, we can't be there. And then you can go and read in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. What does he start with? Love. He starts with love, right? He starts with love. Be the fruit of the Spirit is love, which brings joy and peace. So we have to go there. So where does that take us? He's asked us, and he's told us in his word, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind. He gave us the greatest gift of all in his son Jesus and the love that he has for us. The question is, what is the evidence in our life of this love? How do we take the love that we have, that the Lord has given us, and show it to others? Where do we go from here? John 13, 34 and 35, it says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I loved you. You must also love one another by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? Hmm? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? So in order to be a disciple, we have to do what? We need to spend time with him. We need to spend time with him. That's the only way we can do it. Let me give you an example. When I played in the National Football League in American football for 11 years, here was my weekly schedule. We play the game on Sundays. So we would wake up about 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd have a pregame meal. I'd go straight to the stadium for a 1 o'clock game. Games would last to about 4, 4.30. I'd go home. I'd take my, my kids would make my ice bags, put them on all those things because, you know, those hurts, those hits hurt. Okay, you got a lot of bumps and bruises. Wake up Monday morning, you don't go to work till about 1 o'clock. You watch the films, you lift weights, you run, you make all the corrections from the game before. Tuesday is your off day. Yeah, I get, got one day off a week, Tuesday. Wednesday, I would be in at 6.30 in the morning. I would start. We would practice all day. I would get home around 6.30 at night. I'd have dinner with my family. And about 8 o'clock, I would turn on the films to watch the, the opponent that we were playing the next day. I would do that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then I'd play on Sunday. I did that for 11 years. And I did that because I was committed to be the best player I could be and to be the best teammate that I could be. Well, let me ask you this. Is it more important to be on the Redskins and the Raiders or is it more important to be on God's team? How much time do we spend preparing ourselves for the work that God has for us. You talked about, earlier the pastors were talking about the fruit of your life. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't spend time with God, you can't have any fruit. If you don't spend time alone reading his word, understanding his word, living his word, how does he expect to use you? How does he expect to use you? John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Let me ask you this. How many of you do things to help your neighbors and your friends? How many of you have somebody that can call your cell phone any time of day or night? And I'm not talking about a lot of people. I have two or three guys around the country that can call me anytime they want. And we've told each other very simply this, if you need me, I'm there. How many of you have somebody like that? See, that's the love of Christ that you would lay down your life for him. If we would do that for a friend, what does our Lord and Savior want from us? How many of us are willing to stand up and say, no matter what the circumstance, that I love the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what he wants. He wants our lives. He wants our lives. He goes on in his word in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us one another, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Pretty black and white. I may not be the sharpest guy. I may have been knocked out a lot of times, but I can figure this one out. 
If God is love and you don't know God, how can you love? It amazes me when I run across people around the country and around the world that struggle with their relationships. And I ask him, well, how's your spiritual life? Eh, nah, nah. Hello? If you can't love God, how can you love anyone else? How can you love anyone else? See, and I have a special place in my heart with this because this is something that my wife and I hold very dear. And you're like, why? See, because of what I did for a living, you know, I got a chance to talk with the pastor over here a little bit about it. They put you on a pedestal. And I have to admit, this is the first time I've ever been compared to David Beckman. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in the same conversation, so that's a new one on me. But as an athlete, somebody that's done so-called great things on the field, they put you on this pedestal. And I was telling the pastor, that's what I did. That's not who I am. See, there's a big difference. And in the NFL, guys can't get through that hurdle. Guys that play five years or more in the NFL have a divorce rate of over 90%. So the day I retired, my wife was scared to death because they can't get past what they did. But see, what I did is not who I am. My wife used to tell people all the time, when he goes on the football field, I'm not quite sure I know that person. Because I'd go out there and I'd start throwing guys that are bigger than me around. She's like, who is that? And then I come home and I said, well, that's what I do. In order to do what I do and be the best, I need to act that way on the field. But here's the cool thing. Throughout my entire career, after the game, I would get with the brothers on the other team, and we would pray after the game. We would pray right on the middle of the 50-yard line to the point of this. How does the world view it? Let me just give you an example. I had a flight in New York to meet with the commissioner and the rest of the representatives of the NFL because they told us, you cannot do that. I said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. We, we, we can't. Television doesn't want us to show that. I said, I don't really care what television wants. I am thankful that my brothers and I had the opportunity. God has given us the ability to play the game, and nobody got seriously hurt. You have to understand, if you play that game long enough, you're going to get seriously hurt. You saw those collisions. And we did that. They flat told us we couldn't do it. So after three weeks of, how should I say, a slight argument over this issue, and they said, well, television stations aren't going to show it. I said, that's fine. The very next week, we were getting ready with the Washington Redskins to go play the, the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. And a very good friend and a very good brother was a gentleman by the name of Mark Kelso who ran the, the Buffalo Bills chapter. And I called him up that week and I, he, I said, Mark, he goes, I was just getting ready to call you. And he goes, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I said, I'll meet you on the 50. <laughs> and here's the cool thing. We met on the 50. And there was probably 20 of us that gathered to pray. Why? Because we wanted to give thanks to the Lord. After we prayed, I went into the locker room as my normal custom was. The first thing I would do in the locker room is I would go find a phone and I would call my wife. My wife always wanted to know that I was okay. And I would always tell her I'm fine, even with things sticking out or... <laughs> 
There was many a times that I told her, I'm fine, but I'm going to the hospital to have surgery. She's like, well, that's not fine. No, I'm fine. Okay. But this case was a little different. And here's how the conversation went. She picked up the phone. I go, hello. She said, it was so cool. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? She says, they showed you guys praying. After three weeks of debating the fact that they can't, they don't want to show this, they showed it. Why? Because God said, that's what I want to represent. The entire football game at that point meant nothing. The fact that for five seconds at the end of the game, they showed us praying is all that it meant. Now, here's the exact opposite of that on what people actually think that don't understand the love of Christ. And that's this. The very next year when we went and played Buffalo, I threw a pass and Mark Kelso intercepted it. And as he landed, he blew his leg apart. And he happened to be on our sideline. By the time I got over there, I mean, obviously he was screaming in a lot of pain. See, at that point in time, to me, the game was secondary. And before I knew it, I knelt down next to Mark, I grabbed his hand, and I started to pray. Do you realize at that very instant, Mark stopped screaming? And he wrote me a letter later on, and he said, the minute you stopped and started to pray, the pain went away. Mark never played again in the league because of that injury. But here's how people look at that. And I can't tell you how many hundreds, probably close to a thousand letters that I got calling me a traitor. How could you do that with the enemy? Can you imagine? My brother is in pain. He's not an enemy. We play a game. It's not life and death. Believe me, it's a game. There's much more to it than that. So the Lord wants us to love one another. So how do we do that? What does that look like in our lives? I want to give you a little visual example that that might look like. How many of you have seen the water fountains with the different tiers? You all know what I'm talking about? What's in the center? Huh? What comes out of the center of that fountain? Water. Water. <laughs> I hang around here long enough, I'm going to start talking like y'all. What does that water represent? in our lives. Hmm? Represents the Holy Spirit. Where does it come from in that fountain? The center. It comes from the center. The Holy Spirit needs to come from the center of our lives. And let me explain to you. It comes up through the center and it comes into that first little bowl on top. That little bowl is you and I. See, because we can't make a difference out there unless that little bowl is filled. The Holy Spirit needs to come into our lives and it needs to be filling us first. That is the core. The Bible gives us a great example How many times did Jesus say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 100,000 people and go out and evangelize. Is that what it says? What does it say? You and you and you and me and you go. It starts with us. It starts with us. By the way, interjection off that, Austria, Jamaica, it's not hard. 
not hard. No. Two, two great options. <laughs> two great options. So you have the Holy Spirit in the center. That first bowl is you and I. He needs to fill us. When that gets filled, that trickles over. That trickles over to who? Our family. See, we can't run our families, gentlemen. Another point that we take a little harder, longer to understand, gentlemen. We can't run our families without God at the center. We can't be an example of Christ if he's not at the center of our lives. So he needs to take control of our lives and he's going to let that flow over into our family's lives. I have the opportunity to have played a professional sport. As I said, I have three children. My oldest boy was a very, very good baseball player and had the opportunity to play for the St. Louis Cardinals for two years until his shoulder gave out. His shoulder gave out and he couldn't feel his fingers because he blew the nerves out of his shoulder throwing a baseball. And he called me one night and I knew, now you have to understand, I do a lot of work with kids and things like that and that's my ministry that I'm in. And when your phone rings at 12.30 in the morning, it's never really a good thing, right? How many people call you at 12.30 in the morning just to say, praise the Lord? <laughs> okay. So when my phone rings at 12.30 in the morning, I know something's up. And on the other end of my, on the phone was my son. And he said, Dad? I said, yes. He said, is there more than baseball? I said, you betcha. And see, I think he was a little concerned that he wasn't going to live up to my expectations as a father if he didn't play baseball. I said, no, there's more to life than baseball. He says, I'm done. He says, I can't pick up my arm. I'm tired of taking about eight Advil a day to go throw a baseball. I said, would you like me to come help you pack up and come back? He says, no, I got it. He says, but on my drive home, I want to stop and talk to you. I said, great. Well, it was a two-day drive to get to where I live. By the time he got there, he asked me this very simple question. He said, baseball's done, but I think I know what God wants me to do. And I said, well, what is that? He said, you brought this family up Christ-centered, and I work with a, a group called Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is a sports ministry all around the United States, and we're expanding globally. And my son looked me right in the eyes, and he said, I think I want to go into the ministry. And I jumped for joy. See, my son realized that he has a greater impact on people through the ministry than he ever would have in baseball. And it's not my bragging. I didn't do it. The Lord did it through me. See, because I couldn't have done that unless the Holy Spirit was in my life. Comes up, fills us, fills our families. Once it fills our families, it goes to our community. Right? We have to take that out to our community. I have that opportunity through the ministry because we go to local junior high, high school, and colleges in the United States, and we train those athletic kids and those coaches to be leaders on their campus, to run a Bible study on their campus. That's their ministry, their community. That's what we do. You have to fill your community. You have to allow your community to know that the love of Christ is in you. And then once we fill our community, we go to that big bowl on the bottom. Now let me ask you something. That big bowl on the bottom of those fountains, do you ever notice that's where all the trash gets collected? Huh? Right? It's where all the leaves and all the dirt and all that. That big bowl on the bottom, that's the world. Pretty amazing, isn't it? All that trash, all that dirt, 
all those things that you need to get cleaned out are on the bottom. But here's the cool thing. The Holy Spirit takes all that dirt, filters it out, comes back up in that top bowl, what? To come out dirty? How many of you have ever looked at the top of the fountain and seen dirty water come out? Never seen dirty water come out. It's the love of Christ through the Holy Spirit that comes back out. So the next time you sit down and you wonder, Lord, what do you have? What do you want from my life? Ask yourself this first. Is he the center of your life? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to come and fill you? Because some of us in this room might be in that top bowl. And that's fine. Because that's where the, God need, where the Lord needs you right now, to fill yourself. Some of us, we need to take that filling and let it flow over to our families and share that love with our families. Some of us, we've got those first two. We feel, hey, we're doing great, but Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. I want you to go to your community. See, I don't care what line of work you are in. You can affect your community. Real simple story. How many of you like to go to the grocery store? Huh? How many of you go to the grocery store? What do you go to the groceries for? For? Get food, because you need food to live. Do you realize that every time you go to the grocery store, you affect somebody? Let me ask you this. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and not seen somebody? No, you're all like us over in the United States. You go to the grocery store, there's like thousands of people there, right? Now, you guys don't do it so much as they do over in the United States, but in the United States, at the end, they usually have a young man or a young woman at the end that bags your groceries. Here, you do it yourself, pretty much, right? But over there, they ask you this very important question. They ask you, paper or plastic? Okay? Now, I say that to make my point. Because the next few words out of your mouth will forever make an impression on that young person that does it. You can answer one of two ways. You can go, paper please. Or you can be like the world and go, just put it in the plastic bag, I'm in a hurry. Is there a difference? See, I've seen grumpy old men do it the second way come back into the store a week later with that same person and you know what that person does? I need to go help this person over here because they don't want to be around you. See, you've made an impact on that person's life. How many of you go to work? Let me ask you a tough question. How many people that you work with know you're a Christian? Tough place to live, isn't it? It's a tough place to live. Can you imagine having your games being shown all over the country? Do you realize the Super Bowl, the game that I had an opportunity to play in and win this ring, the game that's going to be played tonight is going to be seen by over one billion people? Do you realize that? A billion people around the world. Think you can make an impact? Think you can make an impact? Let me tell you, and we'll end this, what an impact that is. I played in the Super Bowl 21 years ago. 21 years ago. I still get cards and letters in the mail at my house from people all around the world to sign a football card. because they watched me play in a Super Bowl 21 years ago. You think that has an impact? Christ wants to use you. He wants the Holy Spirit to come in, fill your life in such a way that it flows, that it's a constant outflow of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, 
That's us. We need to fill us. Some of us, we need to get around to our family. And then to our community. Then we can take it to the world. That's what God loves. That is God's love. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for you, and that's what he wants for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the blessing of your love. Lord, we thank you for your word that you constantly tell us that your love needs to be the center of our life. Lord, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us on the cross. Not only did he die for us on the cross, but you rose him on the third day, just like you said you would, and that he's here today. Lord, we ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to come and fill us. To fill us so that we can be an outpouring of your love. That our lives would represent you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you have given me to share the word, your word, that has flown through me. Lord, as we depart from here this morning, I ask that you would guide us, direct us, but most of all, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.